but Revelation chapter number 7, and I'll begin reading with verse number 9, as we'll read through verse 17 tonight as we continue to study in the book of Revelation. Verse number 9, the Bible says, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and the people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence they came. And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of the great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more. Neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Father, we pray that you'd add your blessing to your word tonight. Lord, give us wisdom from the blessed book. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to rightly divide the word. And we'll surely thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do remember tonight, for those that uh, uh, have not been here, we are looking at the book of Revelation here in chapter 7 with the understanding of knowing that the church, the saved, blood-bought church, has already been raptured out. Okay? We are gone. This is what John is seeing afterwards. This is what John is seeing as the Lord is flashing it upon his memory and as he looks at what is going on. The big question is, during the tribulation and during the book of Revelation, uh, seems to be, are any going to be saved uh, during this time? Those people that have rejected Christ for so long, down through the ages and down through their lives, is any of them going to be saved? Well, last, night, last week, rather, we did understand and know, come to the understanding of knowing that uh, 144,000 Jews are going to be saved, uh, 12,000 from every tribe, and uh, they were going to be saved, and they were going to be uh, doing work for the Lord, and all indication is that God's people were going to have a remnant saved and to do the work of God during the tribulational period. But who shall be saved? Who else then shall be saved during this awful tribulation coming upon the earth? The ter terrible tribulation is coming in the end time right before the end of the world as we know it. The time's going to be so terrible that one-fourth, we talked about last time, of the earth's population is going to be destroyed. Going to be destroyed by war and famine and pestilence and hunger and starvation. It'll be a time so terrible that the Bible calls it a period of death. And a period of hell. But remember this is just the beginning. 
All of this stuff that we've been reading about and studying about is just, I mean, it's terrible what's going on and what John is seeing. But it's just the very beginning of the end times. It's the very beginning of tribulation. There's to be a time of so much, uh, uh, there's going to be so much horror and, and, and fright that it can only be called the great tribulation or a time of great trouble. And it comes, uh, there'll be no end to the destruction and the loss of life that's going to be taking place. It's just going to be horrible. But many ask the question, outside of those 144,000 Jews that are going to be saved, is there any hope? Is there any way that people can be saved during the great tribulation? Well, the Word of God tells us tonight that there is. There will be a numberless multitude of people that will be saved during this time. It's going to be very difficult and you'll have to lose your life. Uh, You'll have to be martyred for the cause of Jesus Christ. Most people, when they begin to starve, they'll take the mark of the beast and they'll live for Satan, live for the Antichrist the remainder of their days. But for you to eat, for you to buy, for you to sell, you will have to die for the Lord and take the mark of the Father upon your forehead. So as we look, if you have your outlines tonight, if you'd like to look at number one there, we see that there is salvation in a numberless multitude. Who are they? Well, these are going to be people that are going to be saved from everywhere. The Bible says it's going to be from all nations. Uh, Not just some, not even uh, most, but from all nations, from all tribes. There will not be a tribe of anywhere, any place on the earth that's going to be left out. All tribes will have some people within them who will be saved in the great tribulation. From all people, there will not be a people who will not be represented in that great number according to the Word of God. From all tongues, from all languages, of people that speak different languages, uh, there'll be somebody that represents them uh, that'll be saved during this time. And during the great tribulation, there'll be people who'll turn to Christ. I do believe as study is shown by the millions, as terrible and as sorrowful as things are going to be and the woes that are going to be seen, the destruction and devastation, it apparently is going to stir people by the millions to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's a glorious news for those that are here. But it's not going to be so simple as people may think. It might not be as simple as I'm trying to preach to you tonight. I'm here to tell you it means that there will be one great revival uh, at the very end that are going to bring some into the fold of God. The Bible says a great multitude which no man could number. I take that as being millions of people standing before the throne of God in heaven. And we'll see in a few moments they come out of a terrible tribulation upon this earth. And they're seen in heaven. Which means uh, they did deny the mark of the beast. They did get martyred for Christ. And they did make it to the land of the living. That place called heaven. So we do know that God never shuts that door against anyone who wills to give his heart and life to his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us tonight that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's apparently going to be the fact during the tribulational period as well. For there's going to be multitudes, great multitudes, that will be giving their heart to the Lord. As we look at number two on your outline, we see the throne of God. A glorious position Of the numberless multitude. I want to just give you four quick facts about that multitude. Number one, they stand before the throne of God and before the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. They have the most glorious uh, uh, privilege that is given to them. 
considering what they had to go through to get to where they're at. You and I have already done entered into the portals of glory by the rapture of the church. We've already got our glorified bodies. These people, uh, some of them may have not have understood it, these tribulational saints. They might not have understood uh, their way to get there. But they did defeat the Antichrist in their life. Personally, they lost their life for Christ. And they are standing before the throne of God and before the Lamb. They were near God and to, to Christ. Uh, they were to be face to face with God and Christ. And be honored with the very presence of God and Christ. And to know God and Christ in all their fullness and being. Number two, they're clothed with white robes. This means they've been made pure. And they've been made free from the blemishes of sin. And all the corruptions of the world. And all the righteousness of Jesus Christ uh, has, has given and been transferred uh, uh, unto them. It means them that they've been perfected. And they stand before God perfected. The white robe of righteousness is a sign of the righteousness through the Lord Jesus Christ. A sign of being made free tonight from the defilement and the smut of sin through the Lord Jesus Christ. A sign of victory over sin, death, and judgment uh, that is coming upon this world as we see it. Even I do believe today. A sign of being perfected forever through Christ. A sign of being a heavenly creature. And having a glorious privilege of living forever in the presence of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. But as I mentioned last week, I believe I'd rather take the first load home. Amen. I don't want to wait and have to go through all this total torment and hell that's going to be here. Uh, I, I, I would like to think that I would have enough fortitude uh, to refuse the mark of the beast. Uh, but when I'm saved already, I don't have to worry about that part. Amen. Uh, but those that are left behind will have that opportunity. But number three, they hold palm branches in their hands. The palms are uh, symbols of celebration and triumph and victory and deliverance and complete joy. The redeemed before God celebrate their triumph over the terrible tribulation that they had been in. The sin, the evil, the death, and the corruption of the world. And they celebrate their victory in Christ, their deliverance in Christ, and their joy in Christ. They shout praises for their salvation. And listen folks, I don't understand this. I, I, I really don't. I know people worship in different ways. People praise God the different ways. But why can't we worship Him and praise Him for what He's already done? Amen. Instead of a, a one day, you're going to praise Him alright. Because you're going to be standing face to face with Him. And you're going to understand, boy, I made it. And look what God's done for me. But you know, it's almost like giving giving somebody roses after they're gone. I told uh, Miss Bradley we was talking about some things the other day, and and uh, we were just going on about we was talking about Ernell's funeral and what she had to do and this that and the other and how she was helped through that process by doing things ahead of time and her things that were done ahead of time and and, and I said, well, you know, you got to have roses on top of your casket when time comes now, don't you? And she said, huh, I don't want no roses on my casket. If you're going to give me flowers, give them to me today. She ain't going to know if there's flowers there. If I die today and buried three days from now, I'm not going to know that there's flowers on my coffin. And I'm sure there will be, but that's not the point. Let somebody know you love them and appreciate them while they're still alive. 
Amen? Don't wait till they're gone because they don't know it. They don't know it. But anyway, let's move on. <laughs> they hold those branches in their hands. And fourthly, they shout praises for their salvation. Revelation 7.10 says, Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. They praise God for salvation. They praise God because God saved and delivered them through their great trials upon the earth. They praise in God because God had given them the power to believe and to endure to the end. And because God had accepted them out of that great tribulation and given them the glorious privilege to even be in His presence. After all of this time, they've rejected Him. Because God has completed their salvation, He's perfected them, and forever and ever will they be with Him in His glory. William Barclay, a great commentator of the Bible, has a statement about the point that uh, is a dynamic challenge really to everyone. His words ought to stir us to endure any trial or any temptation, no matter how severe. Let me quote what Mr. Barclay says. He says, God is the great Savior, the great Rescuer, the great Deliverer of His people. And the deliverance which God gives is the greatest deliverance of all. For it is not the deliverance of, a, of escape. It is the deliverance, it is the deliverance of conquest. It's not the deliverance which saves a man from trouble. It's the deliverance which brings a man triumphantly through trouble. It does not make life easy, but it certainly makes life great. It's not part of the Christian hope to look for a life in which a man is saved from all troubles and distress. The Christian hope is that a man in Christ can endure any kind of trouble and distress and remain erect all through them and come out to glory on the other side. That says a mouthful right there. And I believe it to be true today. That deliverance is the deliverance from God's what he's saying basically in modern day English. Deliverance from God is not going to deliver you from the trials that you're in. But it sure will help you get through those trials and tribulations that you go through. Number three on your outline speaks of the angels, the elders, and the four living creatures. They're the companions there, if you will, of the numberless multitudes. A picture of all those that are standing before the throne of God with that numberless multitude. It's a picture of... Wave after wave of different beings standing in circles there before the throne of God. The outer circle is being a circle of angels. And they surround or encircle the throne. Next come the 24 elders. And then there are four living creatures who stand at the four corners of the throne. And finally, as we have seen, there's a multitude of believers who stand there face to face with the throne of God and the Lamb. The numberless multitude has just sung their praises unto God for His salvation. And when they do, the rest of the heavenly creatures begin to fall down before the throne on their faces and worship God. Why are they praising God at this point? Well, they're praising God for His blessings. We ought to be doing that tonight as well. Uh, every good and perfect gift comes from God. 
According to the scripture, these heavenly beings acknowledge this fact and bless God's name for it. Amen. They praising God for His glory, for He is glorious. He's the most glorious person in all the universe. He's so glorious that His glory outshines the sun. It's the light of His glory that will provide light to you and I in heaven. God is to be praised for the perfection of that glory. God shares His glory with the creatures that are there in heaven. Every creature in heaven is given a perfected glory, if you will, as they look upon Him. God's to be praised for that gift of His glory. He's also to be praised for His wisdom. God is the supreme and majestic intelligence of the universe. He's omniscient. He knows all things, passing all intelligence and perfect intelligence. May I say tonight, God's Word is still true. And it is still wisdom in the Word of God. Someone told me to yesterday that some church had started canceling Sunday night services. And that the pastor had been praying about it and God told him to close Sunday night services. I believe that cannot be possible. I do not believe that God tells anybody to close down a service. The reason is... If God told them to permanently close down, I know that there's reasons at times when services may have to be canceled. I understand that. But if, there is, if, if it is true, mark my words tonight, if it is true that God tells a man to lead his church to close a service on a Sunday night, then you might as well tear out Hebrews 10.25 out of the Bible that says, Forsake not the assembling yourselves together amongst believers. That scripture there means go to church, not cancel church. That means be faithful to the house of God, not to be wishy-washy with the house of God. So I don't believe that with all get out. It reminds me of a lazy preacher. I'll just leave it right there. Amen. They offer thanksgiving to God. They thank Him for creation. They thank Him for life, uh, salvation, redemption, for everything. They're thanking God. They're praising God for His honor. They're praising God for His power. He is the force that created this universe. He is the one that sustains this universe. They began to talk this week about either this morning or this coming morning about the super. Blood blue moon, the super blue blood moon. I'm like, what in the world are they talking about? And they're talking about the, the eclipse of the moon and the way that this reflects this, that, and the other. It's supposed to turn it a blue color, and then some saying it's going to be red. I don't think they know what it looks like. All I know is this. If God says, be still, that moon's going to stand right where it's at. If he says it's to be eclipsed by the earth or the sun, then it'll be eclipsed by the earth or the sun. If they have it on schedule that everything that turns on its axis is going to be lined up like it was back in the summer for the total, nearly total eclipse that came. And the whole, you know, the whole region became dark in the middle of the day. If God would have said just for a moment to stop on your axis and not spin anymore... All of the prognosticators would have been wrong. And what they don't believe is this. He could have done that. He could have done that. He's got that power. He's got the power to move the earth under the ocean floor. And cause a tsunami to take out entire nations. 
He's got the power to, uh, to, to quake the earth from its core and separate the entire United States if he feels like it. If he so desires to do the so. He is the supreme power who oversees our lives. He is the one that can deliver us from evil and death and corruption. Therefore, God is praised here for His power. Many of people don't understand that even today. Many of the people fight many of battles day in and day out. And they have no answer of how to get over that hump to where they can gain victory in particular things in their life. But the only thing in many times that takes place, but listen, many a times and most likely than not, almost 100%, let me go ahead and say 100% of the time, if you want victory over something in your life, 100% of the time, allow God to give you the victory. Give it to God. Allow Him to give you the victory through His power because we can't do it in our own power. They praise God for His might. They praise Him for His strength. He never tires or becomes weary. He never sleeps nor slumbers. (laughs) Anyone can approach God anytime for strength and receive His help. God never fails. He possesses a perfect strength that will, and he's going to possess it forever. He's not going to relinquish that strength. He's not ever going to get sick. He's not ever going to grow weak, tired, older to where the, his body or his uh, being will not be able to complete that, those things at which he does today. That ought to be an example for us. Scripture is clear. We're always to be thanking and praising God. Scripture tells us that we should always be thanking and praising God. Hebrews 13 and 15. By Him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to His name. 1 Peter 2, 9, but you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. You're bought with a price. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I was in a service last night with Brother Mike Blanton. And it got on, if y'all know what I mean. There was a couple of fellers, you would have thought there was Peter and John. They were gone. They took off. They were running. They was just praising the Lord and couldn't help it. And one of them stood right down there on the altar and done a jig I ain't never seen in my life. He was shaking all over. I don't know what is it doing. But then he bowed down in humble presence before God and began to praise Him and thank Him and pray unto God. And I was like, man, these, the, the, those two guys were probably in their early 20s. I said, these boys has got it. They know what it's like to praise God. You don't have to do that. That's not what I'm saying. You don't have to take a bath either, but it sure does feel good. Amen? (laughs) Sure does feel good. I love my Lord tonight. Number four, if you look at your outline, we see the great tribulation, the believers in their white robes. There's There's the identity of that numberless multitude they're going to have on white robes. Uh, up to this point, they've not yet been identified. Now they are. John is stunned, I would believe, by the sight and the praise of the heavenly scene. He just stands there in stark amazement and stone silence, unable to think. 
their believers out of the great tribulation. Now, this is shocking to some people. But it's what the Word of God says. A great multitude, which no man could number, millions of believers, will die from the Holocaust and the great tribulation. That's what the Scripture says. The devastation and destruction takes place. It'll cause millions from all over the world to turn to Christ. Now, observe this closely tonight. They are in heaven. They are in heaven. They're wearing those white robes in heaven. This means that the Antichrist has killed them. He's launched an all-out attack against Christ and attempting to wipe out everyone that would believe in Christ and would want to wipe them off the face of the earth. And it's to clearly described by Scripture. Daniel predicted it in the Old Testament as the terrible time of trouble. Daniel chapter 12 Verse number 1, I'll read it to you. The Bible says, And at that time shall Michael stand up, that great prince, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such, such as never was seen. There was a nation even to the same time. And at the time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. I want my name in the book, but I want my name to be in the book. Before all this takes place. Amen. Jesus Christ foretold that the great tribulation was coming upon the earth. In Matthew chapter 24. Verse 21 and 22. The Bible says. For then shall be great tribulation. Such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened. There should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake. Those days shall be shortened. Paul described the attacks of the Antichrist against Christ in all religions in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. The Bible says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin is revealed, the Antichrist, the, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all and is called God, or that is worship, so that he is God, sitteth in the temple of God. Showing himself that he is God. John says that the Antichrist will actually make war against those that have become to believe during the tribulation. Up above in Revelation 13 and 7, the Bible says it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And the power was given him over all kindreds, tongues, and nations. So power is going to be given to the Antichrist to eliminate all of those that believe. Going to be some terrible things happening during this portion of history that is yet to come. The Great Tribulation, the government of the Antichrist will launch an all-out attack on Christ and believers. And it's going to be a terrible sight. There are those who have been washed. and They're washed in their robes and they're white. How? The Bible says there in the scripture that is done by the blood of the Lamb. Clothing of all the heavenly beings are colored in white. And white stands for purity. White stands for perfection. It represents cleansings. It means that a person has no spot of sin, evil, or corruption. He's clean. He's pure from all defiled sin and all imperfections. And folks, that will be the only time that we'll be free from spots. That will be the only time that we'll be perfected. Is when we go to be with the Lord. We're going to be sinful here. 
If you think you're holier than thou and that you never sin, you're fooling yourself today. Matter of fact, the Bible calls you a liar and the truth's not in you if you say you have no sin. I'm not talking about we have to have blatant, grotesque sins in our life. We have sins of commission, of course, but we also have sins of omission. Admitting those things in our life that we know that we should be doing and we don't. That's a sin according to the book of James, according to the book of God. No person here is sinless. No person here on this earth is righteous or perfect or pure or incorruptible. Every person sins and every person is corruptible. That's why God's amazing grace is so wonderful. <laughs> His amazing grace is enough to save us, but it's also enough to keep us. Amen. They washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. But if you look at your outline number five, we see those believers have been redeemed and they're in heaven. Believers will be perfected that they never tire, they never become weary, and they'll never sleep. They'll be able to serve and work continuously day and night. Believers will serve. They'll be ruling and reigning throughout the universe, overseeing the new heavens and the earth for Christ. Don't think that heaven's going to be a happy trip to where we just get to put our feet over in the river and sit up under a shade tree. Because according to the Word of God, we're going to have duties. I may be watching out over the fishing pond. I don't know. But... Uh, we're going to be working. We're going to be working. Matthew 19, 28. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, That ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of His glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. That's a magnificent statement right there. Look who all of a sudden is doing the judging. Matthew 25 and 23, The Lord said unto him, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many things. Enter into the joys of the Lord. And then Luke chapter 12, 42 through 44, And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward, whom is the Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Of a truth, I say unto you that he will make ruler over all that he hath. Folks, we're going to rule and reign with Christ. When we go to heaven, you're not just going to sit there and wonder what's going to happen next. You're going to have some duties. You're going to have some responsibilities. And then as you look at number six on your outline tonight, we see believers' rewards, uh, the blessings and bliss of the numberless multitude. They're going to have a living uh, have the living presence of God with them forever. Uh, they'll have their physical needs met. I like that portion of scripture that we read there at the, toward the end of the chapter. That uh, said that Jesus is going to feed us. And Jesus is going to make sure we've got water. Amen. Ain't it good to know that the Lord's going to feed us. And uh, what some of us don't realize today is God's feeding us today. You may think, well, no, God don't feed me. I, I got a job and I make money and I feed my own self. If it wasn't for God giving you what you know to do to do that job, to make that money, you wouldn't eat. They'll be protected. As he talks about the sun and the heat. All of that that went on during the great tribulation that they were saved out of, those 
I'm assuming prison and labor camps of some sort, some sort of a persecuted, war-torn people, is all going to be protected now, protected from the enemy. They'll have all their spiritual needs met. They're going to be shepherded. They're going to be fed. They're going to be taken care of by the Lord God Himself. And as God shepherds those believers. He'll feed them and meet all their needs. Their spiritual needs. Their soul for life. Their love. Their joy. Their peace. Their security. Their completeness. Assurance. Fullness. Confidence. That's what He's going to feed to those believers. Because He is the great shepherd. And folks, I just hate that a lot of people will end up in this particular crowd when they can go on the first trip. I want to go on the first trip. And I hope and pray to God tonight that you're ready to go on that trip when He calls. They'll have leadership and direction of the Lord to guide them. They'll never again misstep or mistake. The Lamb of God Himself will give direction and guidance. He'll assign the responsibilities and tell believers exactly what to oversee for Him. And we will joy in doing it. <laughs> you know, have you ever worked a job that you despised? Have you ever worked a job that you did not like? Sometime in your history of working. It makes it rough when you've got a job that you don't like to do. It makes it difficult to go into work because you don't like doing that particular job. I can guarantee you this tonight. When you get to heaven and when God gives you your duties, you're going to put a smile on your face and you're going to do those duties just as it is the greatest thing you've ever done in your life and you're going to enjoy doing it with great joy. And then there lastly tonight... The Bible tells us all sorrow be wiped away from their eyes. God Himself shall wipe all the tears. Believers shall never again suffer. Not a single pain or hurt. They shall be perfected forever. As I was talking to Brother Mike Blanton yesterday about the difficulties of the road. And about places that you stay and places that you lay your head and the miles upon miles that he does year in and year out. It takes a toll. Health wise, it takes a toll. Being away from family, it takes a toll. But there's one thing that keeps him going. God's called him to do it. And he goes and he accepts it as that fact and he enjoys doing what God's called him to do. You can be a miserable individual if God calls you to do something and you don't do it. Think about Jonah. Jonah was a miserable individual because he didn't go where God told him to go. And until God put him in the belly of that fish, and Jonah came back out of the belly of the whale, did Jonah 
finally gained some peace as he began to do what God had called him to do. So when we work for the Lord, let it be a joy to you tonight. And let it be a joy and a consolation of knowing that you're doing what God's asked you to do. And I believe that'll make it all right. Amen. God bless you tonight. I have you to stand. They play a song of invitation. If you've got a need, we encourage you to come. I hope that you're on that first trip that's gone. I hope you take that first ride through the air when Jesus comes to get us. But the truth is, church, a lot of people are going to be left behind. It's not going to be a glorious thing to be left behind. It's going to be tragic. It's going to be difficult. Yes, multitudes will be saved. Those 144,000 out of Israel will be saved. Those Jews, that remnant of those Jews will be saved. There will be some saved out of every kindred, tongue, and nation. Every nation will be represented. Every language will be represented by someone. But it's going to be ever so difficult. Because you'll have to starve yourself. You'll not only have to starve yourself. You'll have to give up your life. For the cause of Christ. And before you do all of that. You're going to have to believe. Many of people I do believe in that day and age. Will freely take the mark of the beast. And take the mark forever to be lost in eternity. Just because. Spiritual things don't matter. To people anymore. But I'm here to tell you church. Spiritual things do matter. I get so tired of hearing people say these words. Well maybe this will be alright. You know. And, and, and they give excuses for sin. That's why this world's in the mess that we're in. I'm not trying to be a hard nose tonight. I'm just trying to give you the truth. If it's in the book and it's wrong, it's wrong. If it's right, it's right. There's no gray area. There's no it may be all right this time. No, if it's wrong, it's wrong. We have to stand on God's promise. We'll have to stand on God's word. Or we'll fail in our walk with the good Lord. Father, we do love you. We thank you for this opportunity to be here tonight. I pray that you will touch each and every heart. I know we've already prayed, have an opportunity to come and corporately pray together. But maybe someone has a need tonight. Before we leave this building, may they come and have a little talk with thee. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen.